You're listening to Force Fed Digital. BXU Heard. What's going on, Day Oneers? Welcome to the Art of Bounce, a joint venture between Force Fed Digital and TURN, the United Ronin Networks. My name is Ralph Anthony Garcia, also known as R4. The Art of Bounce podcast, or the Bounce Pod for short, is a program where I chronicle my adventures in the sport of bouncers bouncing. Where some of us hate the fact that we have to be under the security umbrella because a whole legion of us, myself included, do not consider themselves security guards, security officers, etc. Now, we do know the job. It's all about safety and security. But I know I had mentioned this grievance before multiple times on this podcast, and I'm pretty sure I'll keep on mentioning this and other issues we have in this game. The strength of mind one has to have doing this f***ing job can render an already heavy proverbial crown on your head that much heavier. In my case, I lost my ish plenty of times where folks who thought they knew me view me differently now. It's all good. A lot of times, I've been looked at as weird, slow, retarded, and that just happens to be a badge of honor, considering the type of shit me and my fellow bouncers go through and have gone through, some of us for years, some of us for decades. Excuse the length of this intro, but please understand, I'm doing all that I can to put some respect back to each and every one, male or female or whatever you identify as, who are in this game. The fact that we have to go to school for 16 hours on the onset, 8 hours annually, that's one day out of each year we have to take out of our extreme schedules for some of us, and not to mention paying for it. Paying for school, paying for licenses that you have to renew every couple of years, and you gotta pay for that too. We are fucking bouncers, not security. But because one thing led to another somewhere behind the fucking scenes, we have been rendered to being security. Some of us having to wear a big ass security word in the back of our shirts, as if being six foot whatever, dressed in black, ain't enough of a fucking target. Yeah, I'm complaining. You know how much fish off we go through, God? Here is just another example for you. The Bronx. Upon hearing the words, the Bronx, for some of us, it gives you a jolt of fear, energy. You know what I'm saying. That automatic response I'm talking about. And some of us lived here. Lucky for me back then, I lived in the Bronx, so I didn't have to take two and a half hours to get to and fro and off. Allow me to take you back to 2007, a few blocks up from the beleaguered Herpes Triangle. Couple blocks uptown towards the Parkchester Oval and Metropolitan Avenue to this restaurant bar simply known as The Oval. 
All right, folks. Per usual, have your IDs ready. Be respectful of your fellow patrons, and let's listen in. So I just got hit with a memory taking me back to the Bronx. Now, this goes back to 2007. Yeah, I'll go with 2007. We're going to the Bronx now, y'all. We're getting off the sixth train at Parkchester. The name of the place is called The Oval. The Oval Restaurant, and there's an Oval Bar. It's located at the Parkchester Oval. All right. I was happy to have worked at that place. I've worked there for a little while. Between 2006, 2007. Yeah, on and off. Because I was uh, working between there and the little city spot downtown. I'll talk about that one soon enough. So as I was working between these two places, you know, I can't front. You know, whenever I'm in the Bronx, it's always an adventure. It's always an adventure. Here at the Parkchester Oval, the Oval Restaurant, my guy Ross. Shout out to you, Ross, man. It's been a good long time. My dude, Ross, right? We worked together plenty, plenty of times, different places. There we were at the Oval. While he worked the Oval Restaurant, I worked the Oval Bar. Now, it's not on the corner corner because there's like a bagel shop right in the very corner. It's right next to the bagel shop as you walk down that very block. You turn in, right? As soon as you walk in, there's like this thing that leads you right into the restaurant when you keep on moving in. Or you turn to the right and that little threshold takes you inside the bar area. Now, as soon as you walk in this place, let's walk directly up front first towards the restaurant. We step inside the restaurant. Step down two steps, and the first person you see is the, I guess, the host or the cashier. I mean, they uh, play both positions, if you will. They're there to greet you. They're there to sit you down. I like the decor. The decor is reminiscent of the 1920s, very classy-like. What's that movie? Great Gatsby-ish? You know, something like that. Uh, about 24 tables inside the establishment. Not a very huge place, but it was enough to fit, again, about 24 regulation diner tables. There's a waiter. There's cooks in the kitchen. Slamming ass hamburgers, I gotta say. Best bacon cheeseburger deluxes coming out of the Bronx. Yes, I can actually say that, but too bad the place is no longer there. Sadly, way too many things happened for it to stay open. We walk out of the place, go back up the two stairs, and then we leave through that door to enter the little area that's going to take us into the bar. We go inside the bar, open that door there, and as soon as you step in, the bar is directly in front of you. There is a, uh, a phone, remember those? A payphone right there. First thing you see besides the bar, which will be the next thing, like you actually see the entrance to the bar right there. Of course, your regulation bar with all the works and bells and whistles. A couple of steps away from there is the exit door. And then when you look to your left after staring out the window or the glass of the exit door, when you look to your left, you will see a good dozen stools accompanying the bar. 
You got like a good table in the back. One little singular table with two chairs. For some reason, it's just one table. Then you got a jukebox right next to the bathroom. And it's only one bathroom. I mean, the place ain't but so big. ATM machine next to the jukebox. And we're walking towards the front door again. Now, things are not popping quite yet. I'm starting my shift. You know, everyone's shifts. You start at 11 and work till 6, 6 a.m. Because after the Oval Bar is closed, the restaurant is still open. In fact, it's open for 24 hours. So yeah, you know, there's those two hours where we deal with the fallout to every other place that's closing around that area. Everybody always coming through to the Oval to get something to eat which is basically mandatory each and every day, especially the weekends. And we're not too far away from the famed Herpes Triangle. Those that know, know. Holler back at me if you know about this place. I certainly do. Got a few adventures I could tell you about that place, that particular area. So... (laughs) You know they're going to be folks coming from that side of town, coming over to the Oval. So yeah, there's that. One night, it was about 11 o'clock at night. There I am, chilling. There, maybe I was having a cigarette. And this guy pulls up. Parks. This dude had like five TVs in his shit. He parks his car right there. Like, double parks it in front of the Oval. Steps inside for whatever reason, whatever he's doing. Right away. Somebody from the sideline sees this guy. Oh, he f***ed around and found out. He parks his car with the 10 TVs in it, with the system still blasting, and the guy from the sideline sees this. As soon as dude walks inside the oval, the guy wasted no time, ran to the car. It was an SUV. He runs to this SUV, goes inside it, slams the door, doom. He left the keys and all everything in it. He starts the car. And jets. I see all this happen in a matter of 20 seconds. It was no longer than that. Dude came out with his bag in his hand. Obviously, he came for a pickup. Saw that his car left a whole bunch of smoke. He takes a look at everyone that was outside. Who did that? Didn't y'all see who it was? I kind of felt bad for the guy, but dude, what the f*** possessed you to leave your keys inside of a f***ing SUV in the Bronx? I can't lie, I felt a little bad for him, but can't help but to feel that he did the stupidest move leaving his damn keys in the car let alone leave the system on for the neighborhood to hear. Of course some asshole from the woodwork come steal your car, man. And maybe I was a bit relaxed smoking my cigarette, but the thing didn't happen inside the place, so I'm not responsible for what happens outside the place. Folks, here's a lesson. Don't do no stupid shit like that. And won't no stupid shit happen, dick. Okay, I was working this place a good year or so, and I gotta say, man, there was a moment or two, you know, where Ross would, like, just shut the whole place down. If you do not behave yourself, 
If you cannot control your liquor, if you can't, bro, one fight too many is going to cause the whole bar to get shut down. That's just Raw's way of doing things. So, yeah, few times we had to put up with them closing down the bar side of the area and everybody would have to take their business to the restaurant side. But this one night, I just happened to be looking outside the exit. And you pardon my silence when I'm thinking about how I'm going to tell this part of the story because even to this day, even to this day, it traumatizes me. I seen a kid in a gray hoodie running towards the public phones outside, right outside the establishment. Some dudes came after him. They were in hoodies too, puffed coats. And they just ran up on him, man. The dude just made it to the phones. These dudes pull out, and they shot him right in front of all of us. We all seen it. The hell of bullets, the sounds that the guns made. They kept firing. They emptied out their clips on this kid, man. Once they were done, they ain't hesitate, man. They ran. I'm telling everybody, please, folks, everybody, please go inside the restaurant area. Somebody call the police. Call 911, please. Oh, man. Yo, you can imagine what happened after that, y'all. Like, again, it didn't happen inside the bar. It happened outside the bar. Close enough, right? But, oh, man. All you saw was the smoke. The kid laying down, filled with holes. Then minutes later, a whole scene. You see the yellow tape, the ambulances, the police commotion of everybody moving, taping up the crime scene. They wheeled the kid out of there, you know, the whole scene of the paramedics putting the kid on a gurney. They rolled him out of there. The sirens going off. Police sticking around, asking questions to the patrons. Of course, they came in asking me questions, told them what I saw as much as I could. They asked Ross a couple of questions. Very sad day, man. Tell you the truth, I don't know if that kid even made it. I just didn't know. It wasn't like anyone had any updates, you know, or if people even cared. Just don't recall anything transpiring after that and anything to do with that. So, you know, life keeps moving, right? Can't take life for granted at all, man. One is very thankful to have some sort of a semblance of routine where... Things are going as they should each and every day with no problems. You know, that's, oh my God, there's nothing like a life like that. You know, we have to always remind ourselves how sensitive life is. And then it can end in any moment. I just don't mean to be this dark, y'all, but this is what goes on in the head of a guy. And you might want to rethink some things. Maybe call somebody and tell them you love them type of shit. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, we should do that more often. Just never know. All right, y'all. Talk to y'all again. I've been trying to tell you. I've been trying to tell you how real it is. While recording that, I had to pause many a time because of the tears that just wouldn't stop. Trauma is f***ing real.
And some of us have to live with that while doing this thankless ass job. Some of us, I know I do, wake up in hot ass sweat fighting these fucking nightmares. You know what I'm saying? And to think these fucking motherfuckers insist on shortchanging us, nickel and diming us, paying us less than what we're worth, and not giving one single solitary fucking fuck about what the fuck we go through. How about that? How about these motherfucking doctors getting mad bread when we seek therapy? That's bullshit. How fair is that? How fair is that? Damn it. It's going to take a legion of us to actually revolt and walk away from our jobs. Every bouncer has to strike and make sure these cheaper $100 security don't have any access to these jobs anymore. So motherfuckers start respecting our shit. We will literally have to block any motherfucker in our way until these demands are met. And I know I'm repeating myself constantly, but you would have to. You got to. Stay reminding these cheap bastards. Pay how we weigh. Alright folks, look, if you would like to connect with me, it's very simple. Go to www.solo.to forward slash RGMC2407 or go to the Facebook group, Cash App, X, PayPal, Threads, YouTube, or send an email to the Gmail at RGMC2407. Consider tuning in to Ralph Reads on YouTube via the United Ronin Networks, where you can subscribe or join the channel for exclusive, uncensored versions of not only Ralph Reads, but also the Art of Bounce podcast. Subscribe to the Art of Bounce podcast on YouTube, or follow the podcast on FourceFed Digital via Apple, Amazon, on Spotify or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Now then, ladies and gentlemen, if you see a man or woman at their job at your favorite place to hang out, show them a little bit of love because for the little bit of money they're making, they are still on the job to make sure you and yours have a good time and feel secure. Be safe.